Um, man, I'm so excited to be with all of you this weekend as we together uh, kind of come together as a biblical community to celebrate the ordinance of baptism this weekend. Uh, we really get to celebrate with those that are stepping into uh, the experience of baptism. And here at Mosaic Church, when we get to celebrate baptism, we take that very seriously. Because uh, celebrating baptism is an opportunity really to celebrate the power and the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, the gospel, the good news that, that reminds us and tells us that Jesus came to planet earth to come and redeem the human story and, and to rescue our souls and to bring with him the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of life and the kingdom of freedom and, and to intersect our story here and to begin to uh, bring life and light and freedom into the human story and into our stories. I mean, this is what we get to celebrate today as we celebrate baptisms. And this promise of the gospel, this reality of the gospel was first really experienced in terms of tangible expression of the power of the gospel when Jesus came to planet earth and he was here with us teaching in flesh and blood and, and he shared with us the nature of the kingdom of life and light and freedom, the kingdom of God. He, he said to us that the kingdom of God is like, is like leaven that's put into bread, right? I mean, leaven is this teeny tiny little thing that you stick into a huge piece of dough and as you, as you you weed it into the dough, it permeates every part of it. And it's hard to imagine that something that small can make its way into every part of the dough, but it does. And once it's in there, there is no separating it out. Uh, he said the kingdom of God was, was like a mustard seed or a mustard plant, a teeny tiny starting point, a little seed in the ground. But once that thing is planted, man, step back and watch out. In Jesus' time, the mustard plant was one of those plants that you just didn't mess with. You know, it's it like a weed. Once you planted it in your garden, that thing grew so fast it would take over your garden, then it would take over your yard, then it would take over your house. I mean, the thing could kill people. No, I'm kidding. But, but it was a plant that you had to watch out for because once a mustard plant gets out of hand, there's no stopping it. And so Jesus uses these two illustrations and others to describe a kingdom that is going to come and it is going to overcome every boundary. It is going to move forward into our dominion of darkness, into the difficulty and struggle of, of planet Earth, and it is going to overcome. It is going to be a kingdom and a reality of redemption that is gonna move through geographical boundaries, through cultural boundaries, through language barriers, through uh, human stories and the backstories of any person. I mean, there really is no boundary, including generational boundaries, that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, and the nature of the kingdom of God won't move through. And we have certainly seen that evidence. I mean, we saw it in the life of Jesus as he was living out his life here on planet Earth, right? I mean, he interacted with a multitude of different kinds of people. You, you take a person like Peter. Here's a guy that probably growing up had the, the hope to become a, a rabbinical a, 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 a rabbi at some point and, and couldn't quite cut it and so took on his, his dad's trade, became a fisherman and was living a decent life and Jesus interacts with him and collides with him and, and, and Peter's life switches from a fisher of, of fish to a fisher of men and, and the, the inc incredible difference that happens. I mean, take a guy like Matthew, a tax collector. Jesus collides with this guy and, uh, you know, not loved by his own people and kind of a, an outcast and yet his interaction and intersection with Jesus uh, totally transforms his entire story. Think about people like the woman that was caught in adultery. 
I mean, imagine her backstory. Imagine if she could come and tell us her story up to the point where she collides with the gospel with Jesus Christ and, and, and what that must have been like. And yet, in her interactions with Jesus, totally transformed, everything changed. I mean, think about Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector in a city that was the chief tax collecting city. I mean, this was the hated of hated people. And an and outcast in every way, and, and yet he collides with the gospel with Jesus, and total transformation takes place. Uh, the woman at the well, you remember this wo- woman? Married multiple times and, and divorced, and then living with this guy because she's kind of tired of getting married, and Jesus collides with her, and, and, and suddenly her story is transformed. See, what we discover about the gospel, about the nature of the kingdom of God, about the nature of redemption, is that it overcomes every boundary we can imagine. It doesn't matter what your story is or was, when you collide with the gospel, the gospel has the power to transform it. And that is something worth celebrating. Jesus says to us in Acts chapter one, Verse eight, he says, look, I'm gonna empower you guys, my people now, with my Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send you out to be witnesses in, in, in J- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then we watch the early New Testament church unfold, and we see this continued reality. I mean, you, you talk about uh, people that are blind, people that are lame, you, you bump into uh, all sorts of characters. Uh, think about the Ethiopian eunuch and his backstory, how different that must have been. Think about Cornelius, the Gentile that finally hears the the gospel and his whole family comes to Christ. I mean, just these unbelievably different stories, and yet the gospel overcomes and brings life and light and freedom to each of these stories. That's what we get to celebrate when we celebrate baptisms, because that reality continues today. I want you to listen into a couple of the stories we're gonna get to celebrate today, and as you listen to them, I want you to listen now to the total difference in their backstories. I mean, uh, a person growing up in a, in a devout Catholic home, a, a person growing up in a home with no faith, a, a person growing up in a typical evangelical home, going to Christian school from the time she's practically born, then these completely different backgrounds, and yet one thing in common, right? They collide with the gospel, and they collide with Christ, and transformation takes place in their life. Take a listen to what the gospel does uh, to any backstory, to any uh, history, to any past of any reality. Listen to this. Hi, I'm Angie Edmondson. Hi, I'm Morgan Page. Hi, I'm TJ Harris. I grew up in a faithful Catholic home, uh, going to church every Sunday. I grew up going to a Christian school from K-4 through 12th grade. I grew up in a house that was not very Christ-oriented all my life till I was 19. I lived with my mom, my brother, and myself. I've always um, believed in Jesus in the Bible, but I don't, I never experienced a relationship with Jesus, and I didn't really feel like I needed Jesus. I felt like I could do life on my own. Growing up, I never read out of the Bible. Um, Most of the education that I got was just in CCD and then um, going to church on Sundays. Growing up in a single family household didn't really, uh, like, didn't 100% believe in God because as a kid, 
growing up without dad, a dad around, I wasn't really in the greatest situation and what is always thing like, if there is a God, how am I in this situation? Why is this happening to me? I started seeking fulfillment and happiness um, in the wrong places. I wasn't looking to Jesus. I started drinking with a couple of my friends. Well, my friends said, hey, why don't you come to church with us? So one Sunday I went to church with them and thought it was awesome. Here was a man standing up there with the Bible in his hand and teaching out of it and making it relatable to everyday life. My junior year of high school is when I started going to Wednesday night high school youth services with my best friend Ashley. That just really stirred up my desire to want to know Jesus more and more. When I moved to Orlando, um, the ladies that I work with started a Bible study and I decided to go with them and do it and I was I'm hooked on Bible studies now. <laughs> when I first moved to Florida, I didn't move here to work with animals. Um, that was 100% my intent, and I'm currently not doing that. Uh, I've worked for a company that is the top in the field that I would have been able to work for. Um, and without me, what the situation that happened involving that company, I would have never found Mosaic and found Christ because having to work for Disney brought me here. I just remember leaving each message just in awe of who Jesus is and wanting to know Him. And that's what really um, just helped start to begin the healing process in me. The more I sought Jesus, the less I desired anything else. I saw many, many baptisms and I was thinking, I'm, I'm good, I'm baptized. I was baptized as a baby. But it occurred to me later that it wasn't my choice to be baptized when I was that young. So um, now I think, I've, I mean, I've accepted Christ as my savior. So now's the time to get baptized. That's my, my outward declaration <laughs> of salvation. So I remember a specific moment. Um, it was probably the end of my junior year or the beginning of my senior year of high school when my mom told me that she saw the light was back in my eyes. A guy you may all know, Kenny Ortiz, actually came up to me. I met him once and he said, hey, you wanna go grab coffee one day? And ever since then, we've been meeting regularly and every week he pushes me to learn more and pursue God like further and further. Um, and just, I've never had that in my life. So by getting baptized today, I'm not choosing one religion over another. It's just my outward expression of um, showing that I'm Christ is my savior and I'm doing this in front of my church family and I'm excited to get baptized. I am so excited to get baptized here and just publicly proclaim my love for Jesus. I just desire to live for Him and to display His love to everyone I come in contact with. I'm really, really excited about getting baptized. Uh, it is a big public proclamation of I'm putting my faith 100% into Jesus. Um, I was baptized as a child, um, but that wasn't really on my own terms of me saying that I want to pursue you, Jesus. And so now this is my opportunity to tell everyone this is what where my life is going and what I want to do and where I'm putting my faith. 
I mean, it's just so exciting to, to hear the different realities of our stories all colliding in this wonder of the gospel beginning to transform our lives. And so certainly when we come to the ordinance of baptism, we get to celebrate the power of the gospel and the promise of the gospel like a mustard plant or like leaven to overcome the backstory, to overcome the past, the history, the mess, whatever it was. But that's not all we celebrate. We don't just celebrate what the gospel has done. We also celebrate what the gospel is doing currently. We celebrate the current story because the gospel isn't something you interact with at some point in your life once and then it saves you and then it's done and then the rest of your life you move forward. The gospel, which is the reality that Jesus came to planet earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead to redeem us and give us life, that gospel is something that continually interacts with us. It is a reality we continually wrestle with and go, not only did the gospel once save me, but it is continually made making me more like Jesus. And so we celebrate with these people getting baptized, not just their past story, but their present story. You heard it in the videos. They are here to publicly declare to you that currently God is working in their life. This reality of public declaration of baptism was in part born out of what was already part of the Jewish culture in Jesus' time. During Jesus' time and before, in the Jewish cultural religious system, they had these pools called mikvah pools. They were in most of the synagogues and temples, and what would happen is, if you were a Jewish person and you broke the law in some way, in breaking the law, you broke right relationship with God and right relationship with the biblical community. Then what you would do is there would be a certain set of righteous requirements that is requirements to become righteous again that you would have to fulfill and you would have a witness make sure that you fulfill those righteous requirements and then when you were done doing that you would come to the priest and you would say I have fulfilled the righteous requirements to be made right again with God and with the biblical community and the priest would check with the witness and then you would go into a mikvah pool or a baptism, it was a public declaration that you had fulfilled the necessary things to stay right with God and with community. That was the downfall of the law, is that it was a constant interaction. You, you'd you'd kind of get righteous requirements, then you'd fail, then you'd have to go through them, then you'd do them again, and it was a, just an ongoing reality that God wanted us to realize that we did not have the capacity to remain righteous. It would be a constant battle. And so when Jesus comes to planet Earth, he says, now I'm gonna do something that is gonna undo this horrid reality of you constantly going back and forth between righteousness and unrighteousness and requirements and law and not getting it right. I'm gonna finish a work that is once and for all gonna redeem the human story and re rescue your soul, and if you by faith take on my righteousness, that is believe that I've done the work for you, then you will have a righteousness that's permanent, that no longer needs to be having work done constantly. And so Jesus becomes our righteousness. He becomes what makes us right with God and what makes us right with one another. So when Jesus says, when you've come to know me, go and be baptized as a command, go and baptizing people, it makes sense, doesn't it? Once we have received Jesus as Savior and we are now right with God and right with one another, we are able to publicly declare, just as the Jewish people did in a mikvah pool, hey, I just want you all to know 
I am right with God. I am right with you permanently, once and for all. Not because of a work that I have done now, but because of a work that Jesus has done for me. That's what baptism is. It is the people declaring to you, I'm right with God and I should be right with you all because I know Jesus now. And Jesus is my righteousness and so the righteous requirements to be right with God have been met in me through what? through Jesus and his work for me. That's what we get to celebrate. Not only the power of the gospel to overcome the past story, but the power of the gospel to continue to make us righteous by Jesus' work, not by our own, because he has finally finished the work we could not finish ourselves. That is something worth celebrating. So we celebrate the current spiritual story of a person as we celebrate baptism. I would love to share all of the stories of the 20 plus people being baptized throughout the weekend, but we would be here for a long time. So what we have to do is we have to select a few stories that kind of give you a taste of all of the stories happening. We've had the privilege to meet with everyone being baptized and to hear their story, but you will have the privilege to hear a few of them. You've heard three of them now. Here's one that I want you to share in to just listen to the whole spiritual journey of a person as they journey through what God has done, what God is doing, and as God moves forward with them. Listen to Crystal's story. It's so cool. Hi, I'm Crystal Frankenford. So, you know, I sort of grew up with not much in the way of any sort of faith. Um, my dad grew up in foster homes, and so he didn't have anything. And when you're a kid, if you don't have anything, if your parents didn't have anything, then you don't have anything. So, growing up with no formal faith, I sort of had this vague sense that there was like a higher power. Um, just because to think that there wasn't was depressing to me, but never was there any sort of like a personal feeling that, that I had a savior, you know, that anyone died for my sins, that I, anybody would even care, really, you know. But I felt like there must be, certainly there must be a higher power. It can't just be poof and here we all are. Um, but really until coming to Christ I didn't really feel any sort of relationship you know I didn't feel like I had a personal savior like there was someone who created me exactly how strange I am intentionally um, you know and and is with me every day I just I never had that until I became a believer so I, you know, when I was 18, I met my husband, and he had um, grown up going to a church, and, and, you know, after we got married, a couple of times we went to the church, and I didn't really feel much of a connection, but we went, and um, we ended up moving down here, and one day, my through a weird set of circumstances, my husband attended Mosaic, and I was working, so I wasn't there, um, and he kept asking me, let's go to this church and um, you know he had sort of been a really a new believer at the point that he came to Mosaic and I wasn't there yet at all and so I eventually went and I said well you know it's a it's nice I, I like the speaker I said 
over time I just um, started to get something out of it. You know, I started to feel like, oh, okay, this is, this is not just a ritual that I'm going and just attending and not really, my heart's not getting filled with anything. And um, I just remember watching, just thinking about my life and how things had sort of folded in and how there was no way that these things happened by random circumstance. Um, just, you know, there was no way. And, you know, eventually I realized that, you know, I was watching Eric and thinking to myself, oh great, he's a believer. That's not gonna change. I just kept thinking, this is our life, this is gonna be our life now, and is, what if I don't what if I don't get there? And then I turned back and realized I was already there and I had been there for a little while and just I couldn't believe just the just little things that you know God had done and put in our lives and you know, through, you know, just a crazy set of circumstances, we end up in um, a missional community. It's just amazing to have these, these people in our lives who I know would do anything for us. I know that, the, you know, the women particularly, these are my sisters. I just, you know, they're, they've hugely changed our lives. I mean, not just from a social standpoint, because, you know, now I have friends locally. I mean, that's not what it is. It's, it's the type of friends that I have. It's the people who I know can write me a text and tell me, hey, I know you're working a long day. I'm thinking about you. Like, you know, do you need anything? Or people who suddenly my list for people who are safe to pick up my children has gone from one person to, you know, six people it, and that and more really. But um, it's just made a huge difference in our lives. And, you know, I, I know that I know that part of that is just coming to Christ. I mean, how much that changes your entire everything. But I can't even, I don't know. I can't, I can't really explain how much it has meant to me to be a part of a missional community. I've kind of been feeling, uh, a, I had been wanting to be baptized for a while and every time there was some sort of a of a reason that I just couldn't do it just schedules or I was waiting for this thing or that thing and then every time we would go to a to service and there would be a baptism I would watch especially once the video started I would watch and I'd be like oh, it's so so wonderful and my husband kept going uh you know that this is like God going um and so I've really been wanting to do that, to, to be baptized, just sort of to be obedient to um, to God and to show, you know, my church family that this that I'm in and that that's, you know, that I follow Christ and that I want everybody to know that. What an awesome story, right? Just uh, enjoying, absolutely, feel free to celebrate that. Uh, what, what an awesome story just to enjoy someone's spiritual journey as they are continuing to discover the wonder of Christ. But here's what's really cool, right? When we celebrate baptisms, we don't just celebrate the power of the gospel to overcome our past. We don't just celebrate what the gospel is doing in our present, but we also celebrate the potential that now exists into our future because we have an author who is writing our story, an author that said, the work I began in you, I will still complete in you, and that's 
pretty exciting. So baptisms are full of this potential reality that's coming out in the future that we now get to celebrate even though we don't even know what it is yet. I have this unique privilege this weekend because my parents are down visiting from Northern Virginia where they live and um, uh, some friends of theirs from South Africa where I grew up have come out to visit them. They've come to spend some time with them this weekend. So uh, these two couples that are kind of the, the couples that were with my parents when I was growing up. So I kind of grew up with their kids and I was one of the middle school, high school kids when they were the parents. Uh, they're visiting with my family and these two families the Hugos and the Davies, the Hugos were a family that was in leadership in the little Baptist church in Kimberley, South Africa, where I grew up. Uh, they were in the deacon elder leadership and setting direction and helping lead the church. And then the other family, the Davies, uh, they, they were the family that were pastoring the church. So uh, Bruce was the pastor of that little Baptist church. And, and these were formative years in my life. I mean, this is where the reality of the gospel was really fanned into flame for me, where, where I started uh, wrestling with the, uh, what my future is going to be and how I'm going to live for the kingdom and what that's going to look like and inspired to think about life eternally rather than just temporarily. And when I was 16 years old, I was baptized in that little church by Bruce, the pastor that's here, and they're visiting actually in the service with us right now, so they're sitting right over there. You can meet them afterwards. But, um, uh, but I was baptized uh, by this pastor, and, and when I was 16, after I was baptized, I still remember the Sunday school teacher, uh, this older lady that was there, she, she came up to me, and, and the pastor also, Bruce, came up to me and said, you know, you, you ought to go into the ministry because I had shared my testimony and they thought it was cool and so they're like, you know, you, you ought to consider that. And so that started stirring things in me. And so since then, as I've traveled through my life and traveled into ministry and went to Bible college and did youth ministry and then young adult ministry and then had the unique privilege to come to Orlando and plant Mosaic Church and see that grow and now here we are, right? And we're doing baptisms and there's a whole nother set of people that are stepping into baptism now who have a future waiting for them. And what, what we get to do is we get to celebrate here uh, the fruit of baptisms from the past, right? I mean, the fruit of my baptism 24 years ago and what's happening, but we also get to dream now of the fruit that's gonna be born out of these baptisms. I mean, every single conversation with a coworker, every single moment in a neighborhood, every single missional decision the people are gonna make that are being baptized now, every time they interact for the sake of the gospel, every time they move the kingdom forward, every time they live in action or in word for the sake of Christ, those are fruits that are still yet to be born and we celebrate this weekend those fruit. So you see the wonder of the gospel and the, the, uh, the opportunity of baptisms is to celebrate the fact that Jesus' redemptive work is something that deeply impacts our past, overcoming any mess, deeply impacts our present, keeping us in that sanctifying process, that process to become more like Jesus, and has already deeply affected our future, writing into our future the potential of a story that's redemptive now, a story that is going to be full of the power of the gospel. And this is what we get to celebrate together here. I mean, isn't that pretty exciting? Well, I'm gonna say that's pretty exciting. So I would say buckle up, because what we get to do now is we get to prepare our hearts as a biblical community to share in the moments with these people. Baptism isn't about exclusively the people that are being baptized, it's about all of us. It's us coming together, celebrating with them, alongside them, allowing their story to stir us up, to spur us on toward good works and good deeds and love. Now, this is where we are reminded as a biblical community that we are not ashamed of the gospel 
gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Paul writes in Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power to salvation for those who believe, first the Jews, then the Gentiles. I mean, it's for all of us. And so what we are reminded when we celebrate baptism is that we are here together to be reminded that the gospel is beautiful, powerful, the promise is real, and it is changing our lives as it is changing those who are being baptized, and together we are gonna be great ambassadors for that gospel, living in action and word the realities of redemption so that the world might know freedom. Because what did Jesus say? My kingdom of light and life and freedom will overcome darkness and overcome death and overcome bondage and you will be the ambassadors to carry that power into the world, and that's what we celebrate. So here's what we're gonna do. We are going to worship together now as the worship team leads us again to kind of prepare our hearts to share in the baptism experience, to be stirred up and spurred on toward the greatness of the gospel of Jesus. And then after we've worshiped, we're gonna do some baptizing, and it's gonna be awesome, and you're gonna see some people declare publicly that they know and love Jesus, that they are intending to follow him with all their hearts and that they are going to live as ambassadors for Christ to take the kingdom of God into a dark world and bring light and life and freedom. So we're going to do that. Let me pray and then we will worship together. God, thank you for your incredible love for us, the amazing power of your redemptive work when you died on the cross and you rose from the dead so that you could rescue our souls and redeem our human story. And thank you that we get to celebrate all of that now, knowing that the gospel will overcome. It has overcome and it will continue to do so. I pray that as we worship and celebrate now, that you would just stir up in us, Holy Spirit, a a new appreciation and a new wonder for the fact that you have rescued us and you have called us into a restored purpose where we get to live on mission for you on this planet, carrying with us the wonder of the gospel, kingdom into a world that needs freedom and needs light and needs life as ambassadors for you. God, we love you. We worship you. We are thrilled to know you, and we are grateful for your rescue of our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand and let's worship together.